Man, I'm so pumped to get into week two of Girl Power. Somebody say, Girl Power. Oh, come on. Now I need all the ladies. I need all the ladies to, to flex on me a little bit. All right, I need to all flex. Let me see your flex muscles. I need you to say, Girl Power. Girl Power. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Hey, y'all got, got a little deeper on that second one. I like that. That was good. You gotta flex on them a little bit. You know why? Because women, you are powerful, all right? Come on now. You are strong, you are powerful, you are beautiful. And I don't know if anybody's told you recently, but I wanna make sure that we tell you today uh, that God has a plan for your life and you are amazing just the way that you are. God loves you and he has a plan and a destiny for you, right? It's amazing. God has a plan for all of us, but specifically women. I want you to know this today. And this is what this series is all about is we're looking to women in the Bible that have done amazing things that God used in a powerful way to see lessons, not just for the women, but also for the men as well. Don't get me wrong. This is not men. You're not allowed to just check out now. Okay, this is also for you. Uh, but we're gonna focus in on some powerful women in the Bible. And today I'm excited to talk about Esther. Esther was an amazing woman of God, and it's an incredible story. And I actually don't have any slides for you today because I'm gonna be summarizing the entire book of Esther. So what I'd like you, for you to do is to get your Bible out or get your phone out, uh, get your Bible app or whatever it is that you have. I'll be uh, reading out of the NIV today a few verses, but if you wanna go through Esther, you can kind of see a little bit of the flow that I'm gonna be taking. I'm gonna be going through the entire book and then after I'm done summarizing the entire book, we'll take a look at a few lessons that we can learn from Esther and how she had some girl power, all right? Let's do it. So the backstory of the book of Esther is it begins 100 years after the Babylonian exile. Now, the reason I wanted to do Esther is because just recently we were talking about Daniel, right? And Daniel, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We know the story there. We just talked about it in our Daniel series a few weeks ago. So this is just after them, okay? And this story is set in Susa, which is the capital of the Persian empire. And most of the Jews had gone back to Jerusalem at this point, but some of them decided to stick around. Some of them decided to remain there including Esther and her cousin, Mordecai. Now, Mordecai had kind of taken Esther in as his own daughter. Her parents, we don't know exactly what happened, but obviously they were passed away. And, and, and so Mordecai takes her in as his own daughter and, and raises her. And they're very, very close. You can tell they have a very close relationship throughout this entire book. So what happens is, is Queen Vashti is the wife of King Xerxes. And it just starts right off with her making him real mad, okay? He, she just makes him real mad. He wants her to come out and do this dance in front of all of his dinner guests. And she's like, mm -mm, I ain't doing no dinner dance for you. And he said, well, then you can get out of my palace, okay? So she, she gets uh, booted. And then he decides, uh, he talks to a few friends. They're like, hey, you need a queen, man. You can't just like be a bachelor forever. You need a queen. And he's like, what should I do? And they're like, you should hold a beauty pageant and decide who is the most beautiful, who you like the most, and then take her as your wife. And so uh, then the first original series of The Bachelor on ABC began. <laughs> this is where they got the idea from. It's biblical, guys, it's biblical. <laughs> and Esther uh, gets 
asked to be a part of this. The Bible describes her as just being a beautiful woman. And so she gets put into this. And out of all of the women in all of the land, uh, she gets pampered for months and months and months, along with all these other women that get chosen for this, pampered for months just all of the best treatments, all of the best oils. Come on, now Mother's Day just happened and we just gave away a spa package the other day. Some of y'all are like, I would like to get pampered for months and months and months, please and thank you. Where is my king at? Okay, come on. Uh, and so she gets pampered for months. And then finally she wins the bachelor on ABC and becomes the queen of the Persian empire. But she hides her Jewish heritage because she knew if she had admitted that she was a Jew, right, that, that she wouldn't even be allowed to really be in this process. And so her cousin Mordecai would go sit at the king's gate all the time. He would sit at the king's gate and he would check on Esther, his, his basically daughter. He would check on her and they would talk every once in a while and they would relay messages, kind of playing telephone a little bit. And, and then as he's sitting at the king's gate, Mordecai hears this plot from these two guards that they're gonna try to kill King Xerxes, so then they play another telephone game. He tells Esther, she tells the king. And then he says, hey, you guys need to get out of here. They're dead, right? And so he kills them, finds out of the plot. And then Mordecai is praised by the king. It gets written down in this book of Chronicles of all the good deeds that have happened. And so in front of the king, the, the scribe writes down, and Mordecai helped you with this. That's amazing. And he said, awesome, sounds good. We'll come back to that. It's very important in a little bit. So Haman is another character in this story. Haman is a guy that gets put second in command of all of the Persian empire. King Xerxes puts him in command of basically everything. And there's this decree that goes out that everybody has to kneel before him. Sounds a little bit familiar, right? In the book of Daniel, we just talked about that. It sounds very familiar to what happened there. And so Mordecai is out in the street and you see Haman walking around, everybody's bowing down before him and Haman thinks he is all that in a bag of chips, okay? Everybody's bowing down before him. And then here comes Mordecai, he's walking down the street and he's saying, hey, why don't you bow down before me? And Mordecai's like, mm, don't think so, not happening, man. And he's like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're supposed to bow down before me. It was a decree given by the king. I'm all that in a bag of chips, boy, you better bow. And Mordecai's like, nah, I don't think so. Not, absolutely not, no, not happening. So now Haman is absolutely mad at Mordecai. And this is what happens. He finds out that he is Jewish. And these Jews were these exiles that had been living in this land for a hundred years now. And so he gets really mad at Mordecai, finds out he's Jewish and he says, you know what? I'm gonna ask the king to make a decree that on a certain day, all of the Jews are gonna be killed and we just won't have to deal with them anymore. And the king, for some odd reason, decides that that's fine, all right? He, he says, you know what? I'll put in this certain amount of money into the treasury uh, if you allow me to do this. The king says, sure, whatever, sounds good. Don't really care. And so Esther now finds out about this. Mordecai founds, finds out about this. And of course, Mordecai is mortified, all right? He is very upset because he knows he's about to die. All of the Jews are about to die in this land and they've been living there for a hundred years. And, and so they're just trying to figure out what do we do? But Esther, who is a Jew, is what? The queen. And so maybe she could have a little bit of influence into what happens. So Esther and Mordecai, once again, play this little game of telephone and they have this plan that she's gonna tell the king that she is Jewish and ask for them to be spared. She's gonna go before the king. The problem with this is, is that you are not allowed to just 
waltz right up to the king, even as the queen. She was not allowed to just waltz right up to the king and say, hey, can I ask you a question? Because if you come into the king without being called for, then you are immediately killed, all right? So she's very, very nervous, not wanting to really go through with this plan. She's nervous. But then Mordecai says this one phrase, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. We'll read the passage in a little bit. But he says, maybe, just maybe, you've become queen for this very moment. For such a time as this, maybe this is why God has you in place to be queen. Maybe this is why. And then she ends up deciding that she's gonna go for it. And then she says, you know what? If I perish, I perish. If I die, I die, but I gotta do something. And so Haman has this plot to kill Mordecai because obviously he doesn't like him. But then when it ends up happening, the king can't sleep one night. He just couldn't sleep. He's just staying up late watching The Bachelor on ABC. Anyway, he can't sleep. And so uh, he, he says, you know what, scribe, why don't you come back in? Just read all of the, the good deeds that have been done in our kingdom recently. Just read to me and maybe it'll help me go to sleep. So he starts reading. And then he reads this part about Mordecai helping the king. Mordecai that thwarted this plot of these other guys that were gonna try to kill him. And he said, hey, hold on a second. This Mordecai guy, what was done for him? Did we, did we honor him in any way or did we do anything for him? The scribe was like, I don't really see anything. I don't think we, we actually honored him or said thank you or anything like that. And so then Haman comes in the next day and he's real excited because he's gonna try to kill Mordecai. He's about to present the plan to the king. And the king says, hey, you know what? Um, what would you do for somebody that you absolutely love? Somebody that you'd wanna honor. Haman, what would you do? Haman's thinking to himself, yo, he's about to honor me because I am the best, right? He's already made this decree. Everybody has to bow before me, all this stuff. So he's gonna honor me. So he says, you know, I think you should take the best horses, ride them around and just let everybody know in the whole kingdom that this man is amazing. This man, this is what's done for the king's honored person, right? You should put him in all these robes and amazing stuff. And then the king says, hey, you know what? Take Mordecai and you go ahead and just drive him around all around the kingdom and do that. Because Mordecai saved my life. He's amazing, right? And Haman's, Okay, like I was just about to ask if you would kill this guy and now you're asking me to take him around the kingdom and celebrate him, not really cool. So that happens. And then this is what happens right after that. Esther ends up telling the king that she is a Jew. And I'm skipping over a few things here, but Esther tells the king that she's a Jew, that Haman had this evil plot to try to kill Mordecai and to try to kill all of the Jews. And then what ends up happening is the king gets very upset because Esther had found favor in the king's eyes. She had found favor and she was bold and she went before him and said, King, this is what's going on. And and I just need you to, I just need you to listen to me, right? And he does. And so he gets really, really mad, goes out. Haman is actually laying on this couch. Esther is laying on a couch, apparently it says. The king goes out, he's fuming mad, so mad walks back in and Haman is on the couch, basically like holding on to Esther, begging for his life. And the king comes back in and he says, and now you're gonna assault my wife too? And that's all he sees. He doesn't know what's going on. He said, get this guy out of here. And actually the same gallows that Haman had set up to try to kill Mordecai, the king says, why don't you just put Haman himself on those gallows? And so they hang him in the same place that he was gonna try to kill Mordecai. It's incredible. The Jews are still gonna die though, right? Because in, in, this, in this land, 
there was a decree that went out from the king and you couldn't reverse it. So anytime the king made a decree, it had to go through. It was just a part of their culture. And so what the king says is Mordecai, he puts him in charge of everything. It's amazing. He said, hey, you and Esther figure out a counter decree, just something else that I could decree that would help the Jews not die. And so what they say is all the Jews are allowed to take up arms and fight. That's the decree that they make. So yes, people are gonna come try to kill them, but now you're allowed to fight them. You're allowed to kill them and you're not gonna have any repercussions. And so all the Jews take up arms and then the king's army falls in love with Mordecai. They love this man. And so now the king's officials and administrators are helping the Jews and they end up killing all these other people that try to attack them and kill them in the kingdom. Mordecai gets elevated to Haman's old position and Queen Esther is elevated and she has the favor of the king. And this is how this story ends. What an incredible story, right? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It's a really cool story. And I think there's a few things that we can learn from Esther in this story that is told in the Old Testament. There's a few things, and there's one at the end that I think is really interesting that you might not know about. But the first thing I'd like to point out today, if you're taking notes, I would write this down. There is power in humility. There's power in humility. Esther was known as one of the most beautiful women in the entire world. She was gorgeous, right? She had to be. The king would never have chosen her. She would have never been chosen to even participate in this contest, in this beauty pageant, had she not have been absolutely beautiful. But there's power in humility. You see time and time again that she's taking other people's advice. She goes to Mordecai, her, her dad, her cousin, really, and asks him for advice all the time. She says, what would you do in this situation? She has these men that were attending to her that were pampering her for these months and months and months. And, and you see throughout this story that she would ask them for advice and say, hey, what would you do here? And I said, hey, I really think you should do this. And she said, you know what? Whatever you think is best, like that's what I'm gonna do. I, I'm, just, I'm just gonna do that. And she's very, very humble. You can see that all throughout this story. She prays and she fasts and she asks God for advice. Like, what should I do? And, and so she's very humble, but she was absolutely gorgeous. And I think this is something that we could talk about for a moment that I think women in particular might struggle with. I think we might. Men do too, but I, this is definitely something that I think that women, that, that might strike a chord with you. Maybe you look at yourself and you think, well, I would never be chosen to be in a beauty pageant, right? Like I'm not going on The Bachelor anytime soon. This isn't happening. You might look at yourself and you might think of the times when you were made fun of for your looks in middle school and high school. You personally maybe don't really like your body. You don't like the way that you look. You think that you're too big or you're too skinny, whatever it might be. And well-meaning people might say something like this, like, did you lose weight? You look great, right? And, and you know, maybe you need to eat a cheeseburger. You're on the other side of things, right? You hear that as well. And while they don't mean any harm necessarily, sometimes it can remind you of the insecurities that you have with your body and the way that you look, Right? You might be on the other side of the equation though. You might not have problems. Maybe you think that you weigh too much or you don't like your body. You might be on the complete other side of the equation. You might feel like I am absolutely gorgeous and I know it and everybody else needs to know it too, right? It's like you might know that and you might've made the cheer team. You might've made the dance team just by showing up. You have no talent, you got no skill, but because you look good, you were automatically put onto the team, right? That might be your story. Like, Guys do a double take when you walk by, okay? You know that he's, hey, I'm just a good looking person and you know that about yourself. You would be one of the ones that was chosen for the pageant for the king. And maybe you've become 
the opposite. Maybe you've become a little self-obsessed with looks and, and you know you're pretty, right? And everyone needs to know it. Or maybe you're actually insecure about it in other ways. Because the problem is sometimes when, when pretty people or beautiful people know that they are and they have to try to keep up with that, right? They have this label put on them now, like, oh, you're beautiful. And so you try to do all these things. You have to have the newest makeup. You gotta make sure your hair is done. You get insecure with these labels that have been put on you. You feel like you have to look good in order to just be yourself because your identity becomes wrapped up in your looks. And your identity can become wrapped up in your looks on the other side of things too. But honestly, it's so easy, I understand, in the culture that we live in to become obsessed with looks, to become obsessed with beauty and the way that we look. I mean, look at Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok especially. Literally, I'd say 90% of it is a facade. 90% of it is not even real life. 90% of it isn't even people's real faces anymore. Did you know that? There are apps now that can instantly, you just put it through the app. There's one called Face App. I know there's a few other ones, especially that the the girls, honestly, our high school girls up front could probably tell you about it. I'm sure they know how it works and all this stuff. But there's apps that in an instant that you can make your face look completely different. Like you have makeup on, it tones your face, right? It brings this up, it does that. You can tone your body in all kinds of different ways. And it's just one little click, one little swipe with one little preset and you automatically look like a supermodel. It's incredible. And then that's what they post, right? You're not gonna post the no makeup Monday, right? You're not gonna post that. You're gonna post the one that looks really good. Actors and actresses, singers, celebrities, they look 15 years younger than they are sometimes because they pay for these top of the line treatments. Those same treatments that Esther probably underwent during this pageant time. Models, they gain just a few more pounds and what? They're out of a job. So they're, Identity becomes wrapped up in how they look. And nowadays on TikTok, you have elementary age kids and middle school girls especially that are gaining hundreds of thousands and millions of followers simply based on how they look. Think about that for a second. Fifth, sixth, seventh grade girls sometimes posting on TikTok, gaining hundreds of thousands of followers because they look a certain way, they look good. That's scary, isn't it? So it's so easy to see how we can become captured and enraptured by the lie that external beauty means everything. When we know that it doesn't, right? If I had to summarize in one sentence, uh, what God would say about this is that true beauty comes from within, amen? We know that true beauty comes from within. And there's a passage right here I wanna read to you in 1 Samuel 16. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Samuel gets there. He's about to anoint the next king of Israel. And, and he goes up and he has all these sons of Jesse lined up and he sees Eliab and he's like, man, this guy looks like a king, right? This dude looks good. He is tall. He is handsome. Surely this is the one that the Lord has picked. And God says, no, I've rejected him actually. As a matter of fact, no, that's not him at all. 
says, don't look at the outward appearance. You look at the one that I tell you to look at. I want you to pick the one that has the right heart because the beautiful thing about David is that he had an amazing, amazing heart. Now the Bible actually says that he was kind of good looking himself, but he wasn't standing in that line at the moment. He wasn't in that line. And, and he said, is there anyone else? And then Jesse says, yeah, I got my other son, but he's out tending the sheep. And he said, well, why don't you go ahead and bring him over? And he brings him over and he says, this is the one, this is the guy right here. Had nothing to do with his looks, but everything to do with his heart. So I wanna encourage you here today, ladies specifically. Now, men, you might struggle with this too, but I'm talking to the women in this room. Whether you are the best looking person in this room right now, or you are the worst looking person in this room, by your standards, by anyone else's standards, I don't really care. It doesn't matter to God at all, at all. And I just need you to hear that because God cares about your heart. He cares about who you are on the inside. He doesn't care about looks. He doesn't care about materialistic things. He doesn't care about what clothes you have on today. You can come into this place in shorts and a t-shirt that's torn up, or you can come into this place in a three-piece suit. And I guarantee you, it makes no difference to the Lord what you're wearing in this place. I guarantee you. All he cares about is, do you have a heart that is postured toward him with love? That's all he cares about. Are you humble? Are you teachable? Do you honor God with your life? Do you care about others? Do you lift up other people with your words and your actions? These are the things that God cares about. So if you've ever struggled with insecurity before about the way that you look, about your body, about your hair, about on either side of things, I just want you to know, that God does not care and all he cares about is your heart. That's all he cares about. Work on this, work on this and I guarantee you God will do something amazing in your life. Your voice matters. That's the next thing that I want you to write down today. If you're taking notes, your voice matters. Are you using your words to lift other people up? Are you using your words and your voice to make a difference in the world that you live in right now? Esther 4, 12 through 14. This is the most kind of quoted part of the book of Esther right here. This is right before Esther. They're making the plan to decide if she's gonna go talk to the king. She's really nervous at this point. She's not sure if she's gonna do it. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Isn't that an amazing passage right there? I love Mordecai's encouragement and his words there. If you keep silent, God will use somebody else. If you keep silent, your family will perish. If you don't use the voice in the platform that God has given you, you're gonna be, your whole family is gonna pass away. God's gonna use somebody else and you're gonna miss out on the opportunity that God had right in front of you. And maybe this is the opportunity that you were chosen to be the queen. Maybe this is it. So the encouragement I have for you today, ladies, is be bold. Is there any women that will be bold in the house of God today and use their voice for good? Come on now, be bold, right? You're like, well, I'm an introvert. You can be bold too in your own way. You don't have to be like the loud spoken woman that has a you know, vlog or something like that, mommy blog on YouTube. You don't have to be that. 
You just have to be bold and use your voice to lift people up. Whatever platform that you have, use it to honor God, amen? If you remain silent, God will use somebody else to accomplish his purposes. And he says, if you remain silent, your family will perish. And now I know this is out of context a little bit because they would literally have died. But I want you to take a second to think, if you remain silent, what's gonna happen to your family? If you don't speak up and say, you know what, today, I know we're not feeling it, but we're going to church. You know what, I know we're not feeling it today, but we're gonna read our Bibles today. I know Lindsay, she does these little Bible studies and Bible video things with Oakland all the time. I'm working, I'm getting stuff done for the church. She's able to stay at home, which is amazing, but she'll watch these videos, do these little books, and she does little crafts with him all the time that teaches him about the Bible. What if Lindsay just said, you know what, I'm gonna remain silent about all this stuff and let him figure it out for himself? Where would my son end up? And I know that moms, you have this innate desire for your kids to grow up and to experience all that God has for them. But listen, I need you to be bold in your household, amen? I need you to speak up and I need you to, to train your kids up in the way that they should go. And what does the Bible say? And when they were old, they will not depart from it. Be bold and speak up. Esther bucked all of the cultural norms she didn't care if she would die. She didn't care that she wasn't supposed to go talk to the king. She bucked every single uh, traditional cultural norm and spoke up when she needed to. And God used her to save countless lives. Her voice was her weapon. Her words brought life. And so the question I have for you is how are you using your voice to bring life to your family and to bring life to those around you? Because God has placed you in your family. He's placed you in your workplace. He's placed you here in this area, maybe in Hayes County or right around this area anyway. He's placed you here to make a difference in your city to shift the environment that is around you. I just talked about how I believe that this is gonna be a place of revival in this area, right? That we're gonna be the ones to make a difference, that we're gonna see God move in a powerful way, but we can't do that if none of us will speak up. We have to be able to speak up and be bold with our words. Listen, she could have let her situation define her but she didn't. If you look at this story a little bit more deeply, it's very interesting. Esther was an orphan. She was an orphan. In a land that was not her own, she was an exile. She was a foreigner, right? She was then taken and forced into this beauty pageant. It's not like she wanted to be a part of this, okay? Let's just get that straight. Esther wasn't like, oh, goody, I get to be a part of this, and now I have a platform on Instagram. Like, that's not what happened, okay? She was forced to be a part of this. And then she was forced to marry the king. It's not like she wanted to do any of this. But then Mordecai says, but maybe, just maybe, you're here for a purpose. And I want you to look in your own life and say, you know what? All this stuff has gone wrong. All this stuff hasn't been what I wanted it to be. I've been forced into this situation or maybe I had this past that I'm not proud of or a past that is not good, but what am I supposed to do with this now? Maybe the situation that you're in right now, the difficult thing that you're walking through is a time for you to step up and be bold. And maybe God has you there for an exact purpose and exact reason and, and you just don't know it yet. Maybe you just don't know it yet. And it's time for you to speak up. She could have let her situation define her, but she did not. And let me tell you this right here. I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak up for you ladies here today. I hope that's okay. Listen, this is not just a man's world, all right? You have a place here in this world. You have a place in the divine destiny that God has for you and your life specifically. Listen, if a man has ever told you to sit down and shut up, listen, I just wanna tell you, I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry, because you don't deserve that. You don't deserve it. There's powerful women throughout all of history, powerful women throughout all of the Bible that God has used to bring change to this world. And listen, I don't want any man or any other person in this world to tell you that your voice is not important. Your voice matters. You are important. You're important to your kids. You're important to your family. You're important to this church. You're important to our community and you're important ultimately to God. But I know so many women have been in a place where they feel trapped or they feel like their voice isn't important. They get put down or maybe you get made to feel less than or people try to control you or manipulate you, all these different things. Listen, let me tell you today, that God is looking for some powerful women that will speak up, buck against any cultural norms, buck against things like that and say, you know what? I have a voice and it is important to God and so I'm gonna use it, amen? Amen. Come on. The last thing is, even when you don't see it, he's working. That's the last point. Even when you don't see it, he's working. This is the most interesting part of the book of Esther. There's only two books in the whole Bible that are named after women and it's Esther and Ruth. And Esther is the only book in the entire Bible that never mentions God once. Isn't that interesting? The name of God is never mentioned one time in the entire book of Esther. And so then that would naturally beg the question though, was God involved in any of it? His name is never mentioned They never say God, Mordecai never does, Esther never does, no one ever says God, or uh, you you need to pray to God about this. Like his name is never mentioned in the entire book. So is God even involved in this process? Is uh, what's going on here? I don't understand. It seems like that God is silent. But this story of Esther, one of the biggest things about it that I think we need to get from it is that it reminds us that God's invisible hand is always working always working, always moving. You could explain away some coincidences in your life. It's so easy to do that, right? Like, oh, you just this coincidence that happened and you know, it's just a natural thing. Like, wow, that's kind of crazy that that happened. Or, or maybe you could go on the opposite side of that and recognize that it's God's divine hand on your life, working and moving and changing things and working things out for your good, amen? The Bible says that we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God can turn anything bad and make it into good, amen? Is anybody with me this morning? Come on. God can take your bad situation and turn it around into something amazing. Esther was put in this position. She was an orphan. She didn't ask for that. She didn't ask to be put in this beauty pageant. She didn't ask to be the queen. And yet she gets put into this position that could have necessarily been a bad thing. You know, the Bible says she's beautiful and she's queen. And you would think, well, she has everything. She's beautiful. She has got, she's got it all together. Just like Leslie talked about last week. It seems like I had it all together. And yet I was dying on the inside. Maybe you act like you have it all together and you are trying to just hold the family and work and all this stuff together. And, and maybe it seems like on the outside, oh, she's a queen, right? She's got everything. Like she's got it all together. But yet on the inside, you might be struggling with some things. Esther didn't wanna be in that position, but God put her in that position for a time such as this, where she can make a difference in the world around her and save thousands and thousands of lives. You could say that it was a coincidence. 
that this thing changed, that this situation worked out for you, that that person encouraged you in that moment and they didn't really know what you were going through, but wow, that's exactly what I was going through. And they said the thing that I was going through, like that's crazy, right? Or that job that you got that one time when you were the least qualified candidate and you knew that you were the least qualified, but you got it anyway. Like, wow, what a coincidence, that's crazy. That wreck that you barely squeaked out of, that scripture or devotional that you read at just the right time, that was that thing that you were going through. Maybe you came into church one time and, and the pastor, it just seemed like he was preaching, she was preaching just right at you, right? You're like, wow, this is exactly what I've been going through. And you could explain that away as a coincidence. You could, or you could recognize that God's invisible hand is always moving and working on our behalf. And he has a plan and a destiny for you. And you could say instead of a coincidence, wow, that's crazy. You say, thank you, God, that you worked this thing out in my favor. Thank you, God, that I got that job when I didn't deserve it. Thank you, God, that this thing worked out, that that person, you sent that person to encourage me right in that moment when I needed it. Thank you, God, that I was in church on that day when the pastor was talking directly at me. And I know it seems like a coincidence, but Lord, I know it was you that was saying that. Thank you, God. And, and you know what God does in that moment? In this whole story, God just played the Uno reverse card. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about? You played Uno before? He played the Uno reverse card. Because in every single bit of that story, I want you to read the book of Esther this week. And I want you to look at the parallels of everything that happens, right? All of the parallels of things that Haman did and then the things that happened with Mordecai, right? All of these things get flipped. Something that was bad into something that was good. Haman was put in charge of everything. And then at the end of the story, who's in charge of everything? Mordecai, right? At the very beginning of a story, there's a big party. At the end of the story, there's a big party. I'm telling you, I want you to go in and look at it yourself. I don't wanna explain it too much because I want you to, to experience it. I want you to see it for yourself for the first time. But just look at the parallels from the beginning of the story of Esther to the end of the story of Esther and God flips every bad thing around that happened into good. Haman was trying to kill Mordecai. And then what happens the next morning? He's coming in to tell him his plan. And then the king says, you should honor Mordecai. <laughs> He's trying to kill Mordecai. Haman ends up dying. And then Esther, she even has some things with herself as well. But I want you to trust in God's promises, even when you don't see him working, even when you don't feel him working, can we just believe that God is working on our behalf? When it seems like that God is silent and you can't hear his voice, Maybe Esther felt like that, who knows? She's like, God, where are you, right? Like, and we see nowhere in scripture in this passage, in this book is the name of God mentioned. Yet we do know that they were praying and they were fasting. That's what we know. Esther, right before she goes to the king, she says, you know what? I'm not gonna go to the king until every single Jew in this entire region prays and fasts, does not eat anything and does not drink anything for three days. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for the king? That's the humility that we require. That's the humility that we need to have to say, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I don't hear the voice of God right now. I'm, so, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm going to this situation. I don't really know what's gonna come of this, this job, this family, this relationship, this problem. I don't know what's going on, but you know what? Will you pray? for me? Will you believe with me that God's going to work it out, that his hand is on the situation? And then I'm going to go in with boldness. I'm going to use my voice. And I'm going to make something happen for the kingdom of God. Amen. 
Come on, I believe that God has a generation of women, especially in this area right here, right now, as we're going through this. If you're under the sound of my voice, if you're online, or if you're here in this place today, I want you to know that you have a voice, that God wants to use it, that you are powerful, that you are strong. And listen, if you feel that you are not, let me tell you, by the end of this message today, by the time you walk out, I wanna pray for you and I want you to start to feel this joy. I want you to start to feel this boldness to use that voice, to make a positive change in your family, and your work everywhere you go at the grocery store. Come on now, people need Jesus at H-E-B, amen? Come on, would you stand with me today? Even when you don't see it, God is working in your life. Whether you feel like that you are a great looking person, you are a 10 out of 10 in this place today, all right, okay? Or you feel like you're on the bottom end of that scale. I want you to remember God is looking at your heart today and he wants a heart that is pure, that is humble before him and says, you know what? God, I need you. It doesn't matter about what kind of clothes I have, how much money I have, what kind of car I drive. And it doesn't matter if I can keep up with the Joneses or not. What does matter is my eternity. What matters is this moment that we have on earth is just a blip in time. And there's so much more After, when you die, you either go to heaven or we go to hell. We don't like to talk about that nowadays. We don't talk about that in church anymore. It's too offensive. But that's the reality of this world, this universe that we live in. There's so much more to this universe than our little tiny blip of life that we have here on earth. And that's what God cares about. He cares about our soul. Not the car that you got when you were 30. Come on. So I want us to take a second with every head bowed and every eye closed. And if you're just in this place, if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You're in this place and you just say, hey, you know what? I I need to just get right with God in this place today. And I wanna make sure that my heart is in the right place before God. And you say, God, I have some sins that I need to ask for forgiveness for. I need to give my life back to you. I wanna be humble before you and recognize that God, I need you. I haven't been living my life for you or I've been trying to do things my own way. Or maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what? I just wanna use my voice in a stronger way. I wanna be more bold with my family and and to train my kids up and and, and Christ and godly values. And I wanna be a positive impact in my community and my workplace and all this stuff. If that resonates with any of you here today, would you just raise your hand up at me? I wanna pray with you. Just raise your hand. If that's you, any of those things, if that's you, you want to get right with God, you wanna use your voice in a more powerful way. If you're insecure about yourself in this place today and you need to get right in that, in that regard as well, you say, you know what, God, I thank you that you're looking at my heart. You're not looking at my body. You're not looking at my face. You're not looking at any of this stuff. All you care about is who I am. You care about my soul. If that's you, would you just raise your hand for a second? I just wanna see you and say, hello. Come on, I just, wanna be, I just want you to know that we're praying for you. Come on, I see you, I see you guys, I see you. About 20 or 30 hands that went up in this place. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray for you right now that God would seal whatever that is in your heart, that you would give your life to him and you would give these insecurities to him and that you're gonna walk out of this place bold and with the stronger voice you ever had before. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you in this place that even when we don't see it, that you are working, that you are moving, that you are helping us through every situation that we go through. God, we see through the life of Esther that she was so humble Even though she was beautiful, she was humble before you. She prayed, she fasted, she went before you. She sought the advice of other people around her. God, would you humble our hearts? 
Would you help us to not be so consumed with culture and so consumed with beauty and outward appearance that we forget about our soul, God? That our hearts will be pure before you, God, that you would wash away our sins, make us white as snow. Lord, we know that in your word, it says that when we give our lives to you and when we confess our sins, that you heal us and that you take the sin away from us, you make us white as snow. We're a new creation in you. So God, I ask for anyone in this place that's asking for forgiveness of sins, that they would give their heart to you. They would call you savior and that God, that you would cleanse and make them white as snow and they would leave this place forever changed in the name of Jesus. And God, for those people that are insecure about their voice, that are insecure about their looks or insecure about their financial situation or whatever it might be, God, I pray that you would remind them right now that it is their heart that you want. It's not their looks. It's not what they have to offer the world, but it's what they have to offer you, which is simply love and adoration and worship, God. If our hearts are right before you, that's all that matters. We're not gonna look to outward appearance anymore, but God, we're gonna look within and say, God, where am I sinning? Where am I failing? How can I, how can I be right before you right here in this place right now? How can I speak up and use my voice where people have told me my voice doesn't matter? People have tried to make me feel like that, that I don't matter, that my opinions don't matter. God, I would pray that right now you would encourage, especially a woman that's here in this crowd right here today, that she matters. She matters to you, she matters to this church, she matters to us, God, and I pray that, that you would help her to use that voice and to speak up and to speak out and make a change in her life and make a change in her family, make a change in her community. God, I declare that in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, and that we would remind ourselves that even when we don't see your hand moving, God, that we know that you are always speaking, you are always moving. And if it doesn't seem like it, Lord, that we would pray, that we would fast, that we would get before you, God, and say, you know what, Lord? I don't feel you right now. I can't hear you right now, but God, you're worthy and I love you and help me to make the right decisions in my life with my family in every area of my life. God, would you lead me? Would you guide me? So God, I pray this blessing over every single person here today. I thank you for the life of Esther, that you were with her. You were with her when she was an orphan and you were with her when she was the queen. You were with her when she was gonna die and you were with her long after that she had liberated the Jewish people. And so God, I thank you for her life and for the lessons that we learned here today and all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, give a shout of praise to Jesus today. Put your hands together. God is good. Hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna know about it, okay? I just wanna know if that's you, if you rededicated your life to God, would you just say hello to me as we leave today? I wanna make sure I connect with you. You can fill that out on your connect card, drop it at the back and make sure anyone that's doing growth track, pick up a growth track booklet. And last but not least, Rachel, do we still have anything out there? All right, we have Italian cream sodas, right? And we have iced coffee that the youth group is selling for youth camp. They're raising money for youth camp. So make sure you go support them out there. God bless you. We love you. See you next week.